It's the Power Hour LSU podcast. Let's go! Today we're talking Kyron Lacey. Can he be the number three wide receiver for LSU next year? And Brian Kelly was not listed in Pro Football Focus's top five coaches in America. I believe one of those coaches listed ahead of BK is way overrated. That is coming up today. And this is basically our live stream, just the audio version. So we're going to start posting live streams on our main podcast feed, but I highly recommend you come hang out with us Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturday nights at 8.15 Central. The links are in the description. Let's go! I am very hard when it comes to predicting LSU wide receivers. I don't like to say so-and-so is a good player unless I really feel that way. And Shelton Sampson was the one wide receiver of the four high school guys that they brought in that really blew me away. I didn't necessarily view him as elite elite, but he was very, very, very good. Um, So there you go. Also, something else to point out is I was also pretty high on Kyle Parker coming out, and he right now is working with the second-team unit as the second-team slot wide receiver. And if we're going to talk about Kyron Lacey, I also got to talk about Aaron Anderson, who is also a transfer coming in from Alabama, the former five-star from New Orleans. So pretty excited to talk about each and every one of these prospects. So, so freaking pumped up to do it. Now, as a lot of you know, recruiting rankings don't always necessarily reflect how I view prospects, but they do for the most part get it right. Okay. So I know we like to pile on 247 and all those guys, but you take a look at the top seven LSU, I say top seven, the last seven top 100 wide receivers that have gone on to pick LSU as their school that were top 100 wide receivers coming out of the state of Louisiana, all of them have gone to the NFL and have played in the NFL. And on average, if you're a top 100 wide receiver, I believe two out of every three end up making the NFL. So if that is the case, then don't forget about a guy like Chris Hilton. Obviously, Aaron Anderson fits that threshold. Shelton Sampson also fits that threshold. And historically, top 100 players do hit at a higher rate than other four-star prospects that are outside the top 100. Normally, I like to look at the top 125 and put a little extra extra weight on it because recruiting services can get weird with the composite rankings. Um, But yes, I also believe at the beginning of this live stream that it is important to point out that LSU isn't necessarily going to be locked into 11 personnel, which is otherwise known as three wide receiver sets. I think you're going to see more 12 personnel, first number meaning the amount of running backs on the field, second number meaning the amount of tight ends on the field. So if there's one running back and two tight ends on the field, that means there's only two wide receivers out there, which leads me to believe that one of these true freshman tight ends are going to get a lot of reps alongside Mason Taylor next year. And I think Mac Markway is for sure going to play. And I think Kamarion Pimpton is for sure going to play as Kamarion Pimpton has shot up my board. Um, 
this has been the case for quite some time. Kind of fell in love with him pretty quickly after LSU turned the heat up and got him to flip from Vanderbilt. I know that sounds very strange. Why was he committed to Vanderbilt? And now he's with LSU. Uh, let's be honest about Kamarion Pimpton. He is a tight end in name only, right? Um, he is a pass catcher. Jackson McGohan is a pass catcher. And Mac Markway is more of your traditional blocking tight end. Even Mason Taylor wasn't a traditional blocking tight end. So I think Mac Markway in particular is going to play a lot next year. And he should be one of your favorite bets to get a lot of true freshman playing time even if it's just in coal line sets, because last year we saw LSU run a lot of 13 and 14 personnel in short yardage and goal line sets to the point where Marcus Doomerville, um, the former LSU offensive tackle who transferred to Maryland, he actually moved to tight end at the end of the season and started playing some goal line tight end for LSU. So I think Mac Markway is as sure of a lock to be a true freshman player, but I know he's not in yet, but Kamarion Pimpton, I think, is the real deal. I really do. And he is firmly in my top five players offensively or defensively in this class. And I'm starting to wonder if he very well could be the best offensive player that LSU has brought in. So we say hi to Mick Simper. Pierce still believes in Chris Hilton. Tommy, good to see you. I missed you this weekend. Good to see you, John, as well. Um so there you go. You know, wide receiver talent is never in short at LSU. You would like to think at least one of these guys takes that next step into stardom. We see it every year at LSU. There's always one wide receiver that kind of steps it up from his current playing level. And I think last year there really wasn't anyone that really shocked us when it comes to taking that next step as a player, um, but LSU's wide receiver room was deeper than what it was going into this next season. Last year, LSU had probably four-ish to five proven commodities. This year, going into next year, they have two, okay? So, um, yeah, it's wide open. Whoever wants to take that number three role, go right on ahead. Now, uh, Kyron, I think, is a good player. I think a lot of you have uh, some opinions about how that Texas A&M game went. And look, it was not great. It was one of the most disastrous receiving performances, honestly, in, in recent memory. Those two drops were critical. Now, the truth is, LSU could have dug out of it and... It's just, it's just me being honest here. They still probably should have dug out of it and won that game. It wasn't mostly Kyron Lacey's fault that LSU lost that game. It was a defense and Jaden Daniels' uh, poor play in the third quarter of that game that eventually cost LSU that game. So they could have dug out of that hole that um, Kyron was in part that his, his drops put them in. But the truth is... You got to catch those balls. You just do. Your number three guy has got to be reliable at the very least. It is one thing for Malik Neighbors to drop a pass because he is going to make other plays. He gives you that special quality. For Kyron Lacey, it's just hard for me to see him 
taking that next step into being a special player. But that's not what LSU needs him to be. They just need him to be a good, reliable player, right? Think Kadron Boone. Think maybe someone else that wasn't truly special. Maybe. Just maybe. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to think of someone that is truly not special that has been a good wide receiver at LSU. Uh, maybe a Traven Durall, but I thought he was pretty good in my estimation. Just depends on what your definition of special actually is. But you just need him to be solid next year alongside Malik Neighbors. So we shall see. I think Kyron's going to get a long leash for that number three spot. But once again, Aaron Anderson, they gave him the number one jersey number. Okay. You don't just give Uno to slouches. I am a believer in what Deion Sanders had to say about single-digit numbers, especially number one. You got to earn it, and they gave it to Aaron Anderson. So they must think he is really freaking good. I know my good buddy Blake Rafino thinks Aaron Anderson is him. So, yeah, we shall see once he actually gets the opportunity to get healthy and join the team in the summer so good to see rico back in here again good to see chance don't forget chance shoot me an email with your address so i can send you your card i was ready to ship it out uh today so there you go now something else i will reveal this guy has been a big part in helping grow phl tory james Type Y for yes, type in for no if you can remember this young man. This card is actually going to Branson Cat. He loves him some Tory James, so I'm going to send him this card. I actually got this one in the mail today. So there you go. I love people that love their deep-cut LSU athletes. Not many LSU channels give out football cards, and not many people give out Todd Kinchin football cards. And tonight, once again, if we get to $100 in Super Chats, one of you will get a Terrence Tolliver card. Also, adding to that Super Chat to total, if you get you some PHO merch, uh, go right on ahead. And look, I'll also say this. If you join the Patreon, only $9.99 a month, I will send you this Terrence Tolliver card. Okay? So, let's see. All right? Let's see. Um... Mm. Uh, a lot of it's on the quarterback as well. You know, Jaden has got to take that next step. And Brian Kelly brought up uh, today that he wants or he has seen Jaden work harder to push the football down the field. Once again, what we see publicly in practice is not what everyone sees. Um, um, obviously, a lot is not shown. You don't see a lot of the scrimmage portion of practice. And it's not quite scrimmages, but one-on-one -on -one drills and so on and so on. So. Um, there you go. Now, here's something else that I'm going to bring up here um, as far as LSU is concerned, all right? It is pretty clear, all right, that LSU is being overly cautious with their athletes, okay? I think I wouldn't be too, too, too worried about the health of Mason Smith. It makes sense that they're taking the time. Uh, with him, I know I've pushed out a lot of Mason Smith content recently. Really excited about him going into next year. I am also a nerd for defensive tackles. That is my favorite position on the field. So, once again, I want Mason to be great. He is as talented as anyone that I've seen at LSU. So, if it all comes together, it's going to be very special. 
And I still think this is something to keep an eye out for, right? You know, I was asked this last night on AYS. I've been asked this even today. They said, hey, did you think about this anymore if LSU has the best offense in the SEC? And right now I would say that they do. I would. And, you know, I thought about it. I think, obviously, Georgia, when you have Brock Bowers, you're always going to have one of the college football's best offenses. He is truly that big of a difference maker. And obviously Georgia's got a, a lot of other pieces. I I think Branson Robinson is going to be a really good back for them next year. So obviously them, obviously Alabama is always going to be in the mix. They're making a lot of noise about this Milrow and Ty Simpson battle. Tommy Reese, now the offensive coordinator at Alabama, not in love with their offense, not necessarily in love with Jalen Milrow, but they'll still be pretty good. I think, Arkansas with KJ Jefferson coming back. Dan Enos comes back. He reunites with Sam Pittman. We'll see. But, you know, for me, I, I think LSU is probably that offense, right? That offense that you are going to have to worry about. Now, there are other offenses, including Tennessee. Let's go to Prez right here. Tennessee's style of offense will always make them top two or three. I like that way of thinking, as many of you know. Um, I One of my boldest predictions last year was the Tennessee Revolution last year. They were arguably the third best team in the SEC. Actually, I don't think it's arguable. I think behind only Georgia and us, they were the third best team, and you can make a case for them being number two because they did beat us head up. Um, but – yeah, Tennessee's offense, they got Joe Milton coming back. You know, they're going to be able to run the football. The issue for me, I know, you know, Romel Keaton is going to be one of their dudes next year, Brew McCoy, so on and so on. I want to see this offense without Hendon Hooker and without Cedric Tillman and without Jalen Hyatt. Now, I will say this, okay? If their offense, Tennessee's this year, continues to be the best offense in the SEC, then Josh Heupel firmly moves himself into the list of top 10 coaches in all of college football. He might already be there with what he was able to do last year with the Vols. I would like to see another year of it, but yeah, I, I am a big Josh Heupel fan to a fault almost um, because you know you guys saw it last year. Going into last year, you saw it on here. You also saw it some on Power Hour SEC. Uh, my Tennessee hype was called out by a lot of you, and it's fine. When you make bold predictions, those things happen, and Tennessee ended up being good. Now, they didn't end up winning the East, but I said hammer the overwind total. They were good. They were really, really good. So, yeah, I think Tennessee is going to be good again next year. But the defense, obviously their run defense was good. Their pass defense, a little inconsistent. So we shall see. All right. Now, once again, if you want to talk about anything under the sun, we will get to it right away if you do indeed. Super Chat, once again, it is helping grow this channel. Also, there's plenty of different ways you could support the PHL movement and everything that we do. It is always greatly appreciated that you check out the PHL 
merch store, baby. PowerHourLSU.com is where you can go. Posted a link right there in the chat for you to take advantage of all this sweet merchandise. And look, even Paul Feinbaum was super thrilled to see me in my PHL hat. There you go. Uh, to get a PHL hat, send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at PowerHourLSU. But all other merch, go ahead and get right there. PowerHourLSU.com slash shop. And once again, you can be a patron joining at $9.99 or you can get two pieces of PHL merch. And guess what? I'm sending you this autograph Terrence Tolliver card because tonight we're talking about underrated wide receivers and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some other underrated wide receivers a little bit later okay now um we shall see about top 10 head coaches so earlier today pro football focus did not have Brian Kelly in their top five coaches okay I am okay with that, right? So, hear me out. Obviously, everyone's list is going to have Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in some kind of order at one and two. And then after that, the spot for number three is there for the taking, okay? So, most lists are going to have Dabo Sweeney at that number three spot, or at the very least, in the top five, okay? A lot of teams, a lot of programs have, well... Some guy by the name of Lincoln Riley as their top coach, or one of their, um, or one of their top coaches. I think it is very important to include defense if you are going to rate your top ten coaches. Okay, so at further ado, the guy that I think is viciously overrated, and I don't quite understand it, is Jim Harbaugh, okay? So this is a full list via touchdown Alabama from pro football focus. So there you go. I have a tough time believing Jim Harbaugh is a top five head coach in all of college football. You want to put Dabo Sweeney over Brian Kelly because of the two national championships? Fine. But Brian Kelly is progressive in his coaching mechanics where where Dabo Sweeney looks like he's kind of in the mud with this coaching style. Um, it's a little outdated in the minds of many, okay? So I don't quite get the Dabo Sweeney love now. Right, It does seem a lot of what he preaches is very archaic. Also, something else on this list that is very shocking to me is Ryan Day. I don't see how you have him in your top 10 if this guy hasn't won a national championship yet with what he has had at Ohio State. Now, of course, he has lost close playoff games. But Ryan Day being number seven, uh, being number seven over Kyle Whittingham, is very interesting. So, type Y for yes, type N for no. This is the full list. Screenshotted it to make it a little bit easier on the eyes. What do you guys think? Is this a good list? Do you agree that Jim Harbaugh is a top five head coach? Type Y for yes, type N for no. 
I got to put Brian Kelly ahead of, De- of of Jim Harbaugh. I know Harbaugh has playoff ap- experience, but you know it matters what you do in those playoff games, right? He got blown out of basically both of them. Got blown out by Georgia, and last year it was close, but they were viciously outcoached by TCU in that game, especially when you see TCU lose sixty-five to seven in the national championship game. So that loss looks even worse. Um, Kyle Whittingham, I think, is a top 10 coach. I'm fine with James Franklin being there. Luke Fickle, we'll see what he could do at Wisconsin. Sonny Dykes, let's see him do something for more than one year. I like Lance Leipold, Kalen DeBoer, that's fine. Chris Kleinman, Jimbo Fisher, Mark Stoops. Once again, you guys know how much I think Mark Stoops is arguably the most overrated coach in the sport. Mike Gundy, I think, is very underrated. And, you know, I would probably put Gundy ahead of 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and, of course, 18. Then Willie Fritz, Chip Kelly, Dave Clawson, Mike Norvell, Jonathan Smith. And let's see what the number 25 coach is. Matt Rule, I'm okay with that as well. So you guys let me know about this list. I just have a hard time, number one, putting Jim Harbaugh over Brian Kelly. I get the playoff experience. I totally get what he's done in Michigan. The Big Ten is not the SEC, though. And other than that, I could see Lincoln Riley over Brian Kelly. That's fine. But I I think Brian Kelly is a better coach than Dabo is right now. I really do. I really, really, really do. And I understand the national championship thing. I understand it, right? The Dabo's won two national championships. But <clears throat> what do you said about the transfer portal and, you know, committed prospects came to visit other schools and so on and so on. Man, he's got to change his approach. So, yeah, I – man, I just think it's tough to not put Brian Kelly in your top five. I really do think so. All my LSU bias aside, I think it is hard. Okay, so we shall see how all of this plays out. Now, if Brian Kelly makes a playoff this year in the SEC, I think you got to really start talking about him being number three over all those other coaches, especially if Dabo misses another playoff, which I think he will this year. Okay, so yeah, you know, I, I think if Florida State makes a run this year, um, and wins the ACC, then the reign of Dabo might very well should be over, okay? All right, one more thing, all right? And this is the one thing that I think Michigan fans, if they are watching, I have close friends that are big supporters of Michigan football, my buddy James Yoder. Um, let me bring one thing up, all right? Part of who you are. As a head coach, is what do I have to do off the field that I have to deal with? Which means your ego. Jim Harbaugh is brutal away from the field when it comes to Michigan. Okay. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying he's not interesting. He might be the most interesting coach in all the sport. He's got a great personality. 
and it adds a lot of liveliness to the world of college football. And I know a lot of people are super high on Michigan because they have beaten Ohio State in back-to-back seasons. So, look, Jim Harbaugh deserves a lot of credit for it. But for two consecutive seasons, you have had to deal with, as a program, very real NFL rumors, okay? Now, more so before this past season, but still, you always got to worry about that with Jim Harbaugh. Now, this kind of flew under the radar, but sometimes I feel as if people miss the main quote from press conferences and interviews with Brian Kelly, okay? So, you know, he did a press conference today, but earlier this week he did an interview with Bussin' with the boys on Barstool. And what was very interesting was both of the hosts, uh, Will Compton and Trevor Lewan, uh, or Taylor Lewan, excuse me, are the host of that show. And they asked Brian Kelly, would you ever want to go to the NFL? And he unequivocally said no. Now, has Brian Kelly probably drawn some NFL interest in the past? Yes, not quite the same level of hardball. So if the NFL came calling hard at Brian Kelly, then, yeah, I mean, it would probably be a little bit more prevalent. But the one thing I really like about Brian Kelly is, well, you don't have to deal with these rumors, right? He's not going anywhere else, folks. If he's not going to go to the NFL, where else is he going to go that is not LSU? Alabama, Ohio State, maybe those two schools, maybe Georgia. I doubt it. I really, really, really doubt it. I think Jim Harbaugh is a major distraction as a coach. So, got to be honest, I hate that. If I'm an administrator and I'm paying you what they're paying Jim Harbaugh, and every year i got to worry about NFL rumors, what does that do to recruiting? What does that do to team morale? Yeah, you might field a good team every year, but you're in a weaker Big Ten, right? So, I got to be honest, I... I just think Harbaugh is overrated when it comes to being one of the elite, elite coaches in the sport. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I just think that that's part of it. Lincoln almost lost to Tulane twice. That is a good point, Rico. There you go. So um, I, I just think part of that should be part of how you are evaluated as a coach. So... Yeah, um, there you go. And yes, this, this is exactly what I, I'm referencing. So uh, there you have it. With Harbaugh, you never know. You never, ever, ever know. Now, let's take a look at the poll question here. Which wide receiver will finish number three in receiving yards? Kyron Lacey, Chris Hilton, Aaron Andersall. I didn't put the in there. My apologies to Aaron. Um, there you go. Now, I know a lot of you are bringing up Tulane. I'm going to bring this up here, and then we're going to get to Super Chats. We're going to get to all different types, types of questions. Feel free to Super Chat at any time. I do want to bring up this Tulane game, okay? I tweeted this out beforehand. Go follow me at PowerLSU if you are active on Twitter. Should LSU play Tulane in football? I think 